Good morning. Bless you guys. Why don't you take your seats? Welcome to King's House. Welcome to the King's Arms Church. Thrilled to have you with us, especially if it is the case that maybe you've come along here for the very first time. Some people in this church will call me an elder. That's not because I'm old, all right? It basically just means that I'm part of the uh, leadership team here at the church and that other people from time to time might call me an evangelist. Now, uh, that's basically because of the fact that I love talking about Jesus. And I love the fact that we get the opportunity of sharing our hearts when it comes to him, but also the fact that he is changing lives today. And that is super exciting. But you can just call me Steve, all right? Now, In the midst of that, as both a leader in the church as well as someone who's an evangelist, I want to take every opportunity I get to talk about Jesus, okay? And uh, particularly around Christmas, that we get the opportunity to do this with our children because of the fact that, uh, I don't know about you, how many of you here had a chocolate calendar to kind of count down the days to Christmas this year? Not as many as I thought. Listen, you guys are missing out. Get yourselves one of those things because uh, you get to have a sneaky chocolate just after breakfast. It's fantastic. But what we did with our children... Uh, is that we've got two older two, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not a bad parent, I didn't give it to our kind of five-month-old, okay? But with our older two, we've got a three and a five-year-old, James and Lexi, and uh, every time we'd finished breakfast, we took the opportunity of talking to them a little bit about what the Christmas story really meant. And so if they wanted to get their chocolate, they would have to work through a few questions with us. So why is it, kids, that we celebrate Christmas? They would say, because Jesus was born, right? And then we'd be like, well, where was he born? In a stable. And what was the town called? Bethlehem. And what was his mom called? Mary. And who was his adoptive dad? And, you know, that was Joseph and so on. And we'd go through all these different questions. And uh, if they did particularly well, then they got to have their chocolate. And uh, so I was thinking, this is brilliant, until... We've got halfway through December. We've been going through this every morning. And uh, I go to the King's King's Playhouse, um, the kind of mums and toddlers group that uh, we run on a Wednesday that Wendy referenced. And uh, I'm there, and there's a special Christmas party. And uh, we're... Uh, around, and I'm the kind of representative from the leadership who came in and just wanted to say, you know, everyone, you're welcome to come along to our special Christmas meetings. It'd be great to have you. Isn't Playhouse brilliant? And then I said to Lexi, and of course, we'll be looking at the real meaning of Christmas. And I said to Lexi, hey, Lexi, why do we celebrate Christmas? Putting the microphone down to her face. And she looked at me with this beaming smile with her arms in the air, and she said, because Santa was born. I was like, Lexi, we've been working on this for so long. (laughs) <laughs> she's, a, she's a cute little puppet, I tell you. Um, it was only uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas when I was downstairs pretty early in the morning and I was kind of just reading my Bible and uh, she came down a little bit earlier than she was supposed to have. And uh, she came down and was like, Daddy, can I come and sit with you? I was like, okay. Shouldn't really be up, but you can come and sit with me. So she comes and snuggles down on my knee and you know, we just listen to a bit of music. She's got her eyes closed. It's kind of beautiful. And then um, she, she grabs hold of my Bible and uh, she says, Daddy, I'm going to read you the Bible. She's three. She can't read. She, uh, she says, Daddy, I'm going to read you the Bible. She, she looks at the Bible. She looks up at me. She looks down at the Bible and she says, two little crocodiles <laughs> sizzling in a pan. One went pop and the other went bang. <laughs> Which I just thought was brilliant. Now, now, what if this? Now, listen, it is possible, even at three, all right, to come along to a church, to even have a Bible, to even look at all sorts of different things and still miss the point of what it's all about. And I just want to say the main thing right here 
It's Jesus and the way he's opened up having a relationship with God our Father, okay? So no matter what situation or background or circumstance you find yourself in today, I just want to say welcome, but we're going to be looking at the main thing this morning and the reality that Jesus is still changing lives. Now, can I pray for us? That'd be all right. Listen, if you, um, if you agree with what I pray, you can simply say amen, all right? It means let it be done or so be it, okay? So Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to thank you for your presence here this morning. I want to thank you, Lord, that you are alive. (laughs) I want to thank you, Lord, that you are moving today. I want to thank you, God, for what you have done and what you are going to do. And I want to pray both for me and for every single person across this room that they would know you more and they would experience something of your power and your love this day. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Oh, that was a good hearty amen from a couple of people down here. Well done. Hey, listen, I heard a... um, I heard a story a week or so back, which I thought was brilliant. It's about um, an Olympic athlete, although his uh, particular discipline or event was actually rifle shooting. So whether you can call him an athlete or not, officially, I don't know. So I'm going to refer to him as a competitor for a moment. And this is a particular guy, his image will be behind me, called Matthew Amons, okay? And um, the story was about when he competed in the Greece 2004 Olympics. And his particular event was a, um, a rifle shooting competition where there were three elements to it, okay? Different shots that you would take. In the first, kind of laying flat on your stomach, kind of lying down to shoot a target which was 50 meters away. Incredible. And uh, then he would do one from down on his knees before he would stand up and have the opportunity of shooting at the final target from his shoulder. Now, this guy was amazing. He was literally world-class beyond anything else that the world has ever seen. And he was almost a dead cert to come home with the gold medal. And what I've found out is that these guys are incredibly talented. And so what they do as part of their particular event is they're able to still themselves control their breathing to such a degree that their heart begins to beat even slower. And what happens is that they pick the precise moment in between heartbeats for them to pull the trigger, just so they can get absolutely uh, still in the midst of their concentration and their accuracy. Now, in the midst of that, there's also something which I um, wrote down. There's, there's, there's a particular phrase in rifle shooting called jerking the trigger, okay? which basically means that as you pull that trigger back, naturally what happens is that it lifts. And so it's, it's, it's an almost everybody would do it. But these guys have become so smooth in their actions that there isn't a single bit of this jerk that happens when they do. So... On this, this particular event, what had happened was that this guy, Matthew Amons, was so far beyond he, the other competitors that all he had to do with his last shot was hit the target. Anywhere, and he would guarantee himself a golden medal. These, these are the sort of talented guys that, to be honest with you, they could have just turned around and, and, and got it every single time. And so what happened was that Matthew paused, got himself ready, he lifted his, his rifle to shoot, And he began to slow his breathing down. And then in between heartbeats, without a single movement on his finger, and he hit exactly the bullseye. And then he realized that he'd hit the wrong target. (laughs) He had literally got the bullseye in the wrong lane. And he went from first, almost a guaranteed first, to being out of recognition for any kind of medal and finished eighth place in the competition. This is what he looked like just after he'd taken that shot. 
as soon as he realized that for all this, for that moment, the most significant thing in his life, he'd been aiming at the wrong target. Now, young, old, rich, poor, famous, no matter what your background here today, we will all inevitably face the same question. What is the purpose of our life? Why are we here? I guess in one respect you could say, what are you shooting at? You can't just hit any target, you see. What's the right target? Where should we be aiming? And to many, many people, you might have an incredibly successful life. You might be completely happy. You might have a great family. But it's possible to still miss out on the reason that you were made. That's the discovery of my life. In the most unusual category of people to stumble into church, right in my mid-twenties, I began a journey to explore whether Christianity was true, whether there could be any meaning or whether there could be any truth in some of the claims of Jesus. Jim Carrey, the actor and comedian you may have heard of, said it like this. He says, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that that's not the answer. You see, Jesus, though, he claimed to have the answer. It was when I started uh, going along to an Alpha course, just as we've been mentioning, that I realized that the whole of Christianity hinges on who he is and what he said. Jesus Christ, or some refer to him, Jesus of Nazareth. Now, no matter what you think about Jesus, and for some people, you will have come here for the very first time today, all right? And uh, you might ask someone on the streets, yeah, hey, who is he? What was he like? But you have to admit that there is something different about him. Alpha, I guess, is a place that you don't just have an opinion about him, but you can have an informed opinion about who he was, what he said. And historians will all agree on this one issue, that Jesus has affected human history more than any other person who's walked the earth. More songs have been sung of of him, artwork painted of him, more music written about him, more books written about him than anyone who's ever existed. And we're even reminded of his influence because time is measured around his birth. You've got B.C. before Christ, A.D. Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. And uh, every week you'll find the media is filled with information and discussions about him. So singers like Robbie Williams and Madonna and Kanye West even recently have sung about him. And Jesus regularly appears on television programs like uh, The Simpsons and South Park. And uh, with over a hundred movies that have got connections to his life and what people think about him, along with um, one or two which are quite big, so things like The Passion of the Christ or more recently this movie called Risen, And along with some that you may not have heard of, for example, there is a Canadian kung fu horror comedy called Jesus the Vampire Hunter. Just telling you the truth. Now, uh, what I wouldn't do is uh, is endorse this movie at all, so don't feel free, don't feel like you've got to go home and get onto your Amazon and buy it, don't. But listen, in the midst of him being incredibly well known, there are also billions of people right now around the world who would claim that he was and is God and worship him as so. In H.G. Wells, the historian you guys might have heard of, said this, I am a historian. I'm not a believer, but I must confess that as a historian, that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all of history. You know, Jesus said some crazy things. Things that not only made people sit up and take notice, but things which were so outrageous that people would pick up stones to want to kill him. They were so extravagant and out there. He said that the miracle of life 
was something that God started, that we were not just random chance, but uniquely designed in this enormous and complex universe. But furthermore, you and me, we were made to know God. That's the reason that you were made. But he also claimed that he and he alone was the way, the truth, and the life. The only way that we can get to that relationship with God would be through him. And you know what's amazing? What I'm so excited about is that even though he walked the earth 2,000 years ago, he's still changing lives today. Because of his life, because of his death, but because of the fact that he's, he rose again. He was resurrected. And so we can know him. And we can know even around this community. And you know, the amazing thing for me is that this now is a, is a church of some size. I love that. I love that God is reaching so many people and there's so many people who are amongst us, connected to our family. But the most important thing about that is that every number is represented by a life, a story, an individual who has been encountering and been touched by God. And so that's what we're going to do today. Rather than me just preaching, we're going to hear three stories. And uh, we're going to be able to connect with them. And what I want you to do, guys, is I want you to get excited. I want you to be um, pumped about the fact that he's changing lives in and around our community, partly because it enables us to think, man, would you do that again? Would you do that again in the people who are around me? Would you do that in my life? And as we do that, I believe that God's going to just unlock something as we celebrate the fact that Jesus is still changing lives. Can we do that together? All right, listen, the first person that we're going to be interviewing, so you can give him a massive round of applause as he comes to have a sit down with me, is Aaron Banger. Can we give Aaron a massive round of applause? Hey, my friend. All right. Grab a seat. This is our, uh, our interview lounge right here. And this is my friend Aaron. Hi, it's nice to meet you all. I'm really glad, though, because I just noticed there's a plant here. And I was one of the youth leaders. I went to Centre Parks and I came back to share about what Jesus has done in my life. So I'm really glad, Steve, you put this up to remind me <laughs> of Centre Parks. Oh, That's sorry. Yes. Appreciate it. Yes. Hey, listen, why don't you take a moment to describe what life looked like for you two years ago? Okay, so I want to be one of those guys who had this story like I was broken and so down and my life's a mess, but it actually wasn't. I had a job, a car, friends, looked like a probably looked like a normal guy. You would see me on the street and be like, yeah, he seems fine, he's well adjusted. Yeah. So just, and I, lo- and I laughed a lot, to be honest. Yeah. So it seemed like a pretty happy, pretty happy go lucky guy. So on the face of it, everyone who saw you would think, good guy, lots going well for him, everything's very normal. What was going on on the inside? Yeah, see, that's where it gets a little bit messier because inside I was really just empty is probably the best word to describe it. I wasn't really, I didn't have a purpose to live. I got up every day with like absolutely nothing, no feelings about stuff. And I was kind of really cynical, kind of harsh to people when I got angry. And just a bunch of like, not just uncertainty about everything. Did you think about Jesus or his claims to be God in the midst of this? You see, see, I kind of did, but... I was kind of always what I call scientifically minded or naturalistic, and I believe that everything that uh, existed could be seen and measured. Right. And so, yeah, I did explore Jesus, surface level, so looking back, that was probably not a good exploration. <laughs> but I explored it under the concept that, um, in the belief that if God was real, there would be, I'd be able to see him or measure him, and, okay. and that faith was just something that people could just make up, because it was completely unsubstantiated. Okay. To be honest, I kind of saw, I shouldn't say this in a church, but I saw faith as, a, as like a crutch and something that people would hold on to right. when they were unable to take responsibility for themselves. Okay, so faith's a bit of a crutch for the needy, but I know that at this point, God had started moving in your family. So your mom and your brother had started coming to this church, and um, did they ever talk to you about their faith? 
Yeah, unfortunately, they... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a lot. Thankfully, my, my brother's smart. He tried once, gave up after that. I was like, not happening. <laughs> but my mum did, yeah. So she kept talking to you about it. What were those kind of conversations like? <laughs> Do you know you're wrong, Aaron? <laughs> no, I'm joking. She's, she's not that bad. No, you're just kind of like just reaching out and like saying, "Do you understand that God's real?" and this kind of stuff. Yeah. But it never worked. I was very, I was like, I was quite well read. Obviously, just on one side, yeah. as I now learned. But I like to argue and debate, and I was very cynical. So yeah. poor her. Yes. So cynical, Aaron. Uh, cold-hearted and atheistic. Um, your mum is not getting through to you at this point, but you're now sat in a chair giving testimony for how God's moved in your life. What happened? Well, the best way to explain it is say Jesus happened. So to try to get that picture of what Steve did, I was completely sceptical, thought God was a crutch, faith wasn't in anything, and didn't even... You know, sometimes we have this hidden desire in our hearts when we can like, not say stuff I want it. Didn't even have that. I was like, not interested in God. This is complete nonsense. Stay away from me. Okay. And then that's why I went to bed as one day. The next day I woke up believing in Jesus. <laughs> so, 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 Jesus meets with you in a dream. What happened? How did that work? So, I can't really explain how does that work. That's a difficult question to answer. Steve, help me out here. I don't know how it worked. I, did, I can't really explain it. But I went from having all of this doubt, all of this yeah. uh, uncertainty, to just yeah. waking up and going, that's not, that's not there anymore. Incredible. And... To be honest, and kind of like asking how do I know it's a different kind of dream? Because it's not what I expected. To be, to be fair, I kind of was ran away from Jesus. I was very scared. Wow. That's not quite what I wanted. And wow. for me, it was kind of like if Jesus is alive and he's there and he is God, then I don't really have much of a choice anymore. Because yes. what he said is true. Yes. And if that's the case, then I will believe and follow him. Wow. So tell me, just as you, as you close then, Aaron, how has knowing Jesus made a difference in your life? Oh, the juicy question. This has been quite. A, this has been quite astounding, really. So, as I was mentioning before, I was very. I had no direction. I had didn't even enjoy waking up. There was nothing to do in my life. I was very empty. I love waking up this morning. Come I have on. Such happiness in my heart. Like this last year has been very challenging. Probably more challenging than my previous, however many. And. <laughs> But I've, felt I've never been happier. And it's kind of wow. like, even in the, dip, the, the depths of difficulty and challenge, I'm, I'm so alive, so happy, so laughing with real abandonment. And I was like, the cynical, sarcastic nature fell away. I was, I'm going traveling with a friend and um, we're doing some ministry trips. And he said to me, oh, when I found out you were going, I was so happy because you're such an encourager. Wow. I'm looking at him going, was I? When did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> and just this big emptiness is all gone. The loneliness of being around friends and feeling alone. That was horrible to deal wow. with. That's gone. I don't feel alone anymore. And that's kind of been like this massive change. Isn't that amazing? Can we thank Aaron for coming and sharing? Well done, mate. Love it. Ah. God's meeting people in their dreams in Bedford. It's quite remarkable. I'm so excited to, to hear. I, I, listen, I don't know whether you have ever taken that moment to just pause and to reflect on what life used to be like, just in the same way that Aaron has. I think for, for me, there are so many things that had changed. But you know, for every single one of us in this room, your testimony has power. 1 Peter 3 says that we should always be prepared to give an answer for anyone who asks for the hope, for the reason for the hope that we have. And we need to be sharing, as those of us who are believers here, what has happened in us. What are the stories that we can share because they have power. 
Now, you might look at me and say, Steve, I don't have one of those crazy testimonies of God meeting me in a dream. I don't have one of those testimonies that says I used to be a Colombian drug baron and from a, police, uh, from a prison cell, somehow God rescued me. But you know what? I would say if you do not have a testimony like that, just make it up. A slowly awkward humor around the room. To, listen, I was, I, was, I was totally a joker, right? Just checking you were still with me, okay? You don't have to make it up, okay? Because your testimony uniquely has power. It does. And um, it doesn't matter what your background, what your circumstance. Actually, to even say, do you know what? I used to look at myself this way, but now I see myself the way God sees me. There is power in that testimony. If you can say that I used to struggle with this behavior, but God set me free from it. There is power in your testimony. If you can say that I didn't used to have any hope, but now I have all hope because of the fact that Jesus is alive. There is power in your testimony. And testimony you know, isn't just about what happened way back when, but what happened this week. Hey, do you know what? On Sunday, we prayed for a whole bunch of people. And then on the back of that, there were some people who were pain-free. Isn't that amazing? Like, well, seriously, we can be sharing stories all the time. And I would also say to our young people here, okay, those people who might be part of some of our youth groups, right, and innovation. Do you know what? I pray that you have got the most, in one respect, the most boring testimonies, all right? Because I want that for my kids. Because of the fact that actually we don't need to be the ones who were picked out of a pit before we start looking up. Actually, I want your testimony to be one that I walked with Jesus all the days of my life. And I'm so excited and so thankful that I chose to do that. Share your story. Do you want to hear another interview? Yeah. Oh, listen, it's a good one. Can you get excited with me as we welcome up Vanessa as she comes to take a chair? Woo! <laughs> hey, grab a seat, why don't you? How you doing? Good. Good. Good afternoon, everyone. So, Vanessa, yes. you're going to tell us a little bit. I know that you were going through some tough circumstances just over a year ago. Kind of yep. What was going on? How were you feeling? Desperate, very, very challenging. One of the most, most challenging periods of my life, and I've right. had a few of those. Right. I'd say it was the worst. Okay, so you were in the midst of a very difficult season, yep. and then you had a friend who uh, you'd known for about 10 years who came yep. along to this church. Tell me about your relationship and then what happened kind of outside in the coffee shop right outside this room. Very good friend, Samantha. Um, she invited me along for coffee here. Um, I instantly walked in and felt relaxed. I knew this was a, a nice environment to be in. Right. Um, we talked, we chatted, um, we just got along and I felt comfortable enough to give my life to Christ there and then. <laughs> in the coffee shop. <laughs> um, so comfortable, in fact, a couple of months later I got baptised. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> So you met with Sam here uh, just midweek. He came for a drink. She was talking to you about Jesus in the midst of some very difficult circumstances. And yep. then she encouraged you, didn't she, to go along to Alpha. Yep, tell me, tell me how that was for you. What was it like yeah. for people who might not know? Answered a lot of questions. I felt a lot of... Um, it was great to be amongst people, to ask the questions we all wanted answers to. Yes. Eat together, that was really important, I think, to sit and discuss everything together. Okay. Um, just affirm things to me, really. Outstanding. But, you know, thanks, Sam, for bullying me along. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
at that point, obviously, you, you, you made the decision to, to, to make Jesus the Lord of and follow him, and then you came along to Alpha, kept growing in your faith. But tell me now, a year on from that, how uh, much of a difference or what difference has it made to have Jesus in your life? Massive difference. I don't feel alone. I've got hope. I don't feel fear anymore, obviously. You know, I'm not going to say things are perfect. (laughs) They're not, but they are greatly improved, and I'm happy that I did that. And if anyone else is considering it, I'd say, go for it. (laughs) Come on. Should we thank Vanessa? (laughs) Thank you so much. You know, in reality, just as Vanessa was saying, you know, in this life, the scriptures say, you will have trouble is not the most encouraging verse in the world, is it? You don't often see that on someone's fridge or on the back of someone's bumper sticker. But actually, then it says, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And what I do know in the conversations that Vanessa and I have had is that actually the difference of having Jesus walk alongside you through each and every circumstance is so significant. But you know, the other thing that I would say is that everyone has a Sam. Every single person in this room, if you're a believer, has had someone who's been courageous enough to reach out to you and talk to you and connect with you about your uh, faith and whereabouts you are. And actually, we want to be thankful for those people just as Vanessa is here. I know those people for me were huge significance on my road to the uh, place that I'm at now. You know, just a week or so ago, I was at a conference. And there were three people stood alongside each other, and uh, the first of which was the guy who's uh, behind me on the screen here. He's a gentleman called Andy Economides. And um, Andy Economides was a student at the time at the University of Hendon in London in 1975. And um, he had a, a friend of his who he was trying to reach out to, he was trying to you know, just connect with and share a little bit about the love of God with, and gave a little tract to. And uh, as part of this kind of conversation, the, the, the guy took the tract and came back to him the next week and said, all right, I've read the book, I've prayed the prayer, what do I do now? So Andy thought, oh, well, okay, we'll do the same thing as I'm doing. Wednesday night is Bible study. Saturday morning, we go out on the streets and talk about the love of God. Sunday is church. And every single week, they did this for two years together. Now, this guy realized that he was quite good at sharing the gospel, and his name is J. John. Some of you guys will know that J. John is a, not just national, but an internationally renowned evangelist who speaks all over the place and invites people to receive the love of Jesus with remarkable fruitfulness. And um, what's interesting is that there was a, a time when J. John was just figuring out how to share the gospel, and he just started doing these student university missions. And so he'd go into a university for a little while, spend a, a few days there just sharing about how good Jesus was, and then people would kind of respond to Jesus, ask him questions, and so on. And uh, he did something like 102, I think he said, of these um, missions across universities in the country, two of which were international. And so there was an occasion when he got this invitation quite out of the blue to go along to Sydney. Now, Sydney um, was a long way away at the time. This was in the late 80s, so he knew that the, the trip wasn't going to be great. The communication was poor. But he thought, I think that God might be on this. And then the first of a week of preaches that he did, he met another young Greek lady who was very skeptical, very hard, had lots of questions. But he said to her, look, why don't you come for a drink with me tomorrow? I'll buy you coffee, and you can keep being rude to me, which I thought was quite a, quite a nice little line. Now, this lady at the end of that week decided, you know what, I do want to follow Jesus. I want to receive forgiveness from him, and her name is Christine Kane. 
Now, I don't know whether you've heard of Christine Kane or not, but she is a world-famous lady, pioneer and um, uh, missionary in lots of respects, who started a phenomenal work rescuing people from the sex slave trade industry. And um, she's putting, uh, persecuting smugglers, and she's setting young girls free. And she's now also, as an evangelist, serving churches across the world. And in Africa, she's coming back and preaching to millions of people alongside Joyce Meyer. And I'm there last week looking at Andy Economides, who's thanking, or J. John, who's alongside him, thanking Andy Economides, and Christine Kane, who's thanking J. John, who's thanking Andy Economides, and thinking, look at the fruitfulness of what God has done through one man's obedience. And you know what? Sam Roach's obedience and love and affection, even for Vanessa, let me tell you, it's going to echo into eternity. And the same ripples, I believe, impact every single one of our conversations. Now, here's the question for us, guys. And I don't want to hold back in asking this. Who are you going to invite? Week on Tuesday, we're going to get together for our first Alpha Night. And I'm praying we're going to have stacks of guests not even for, not, not, it's not, not about me and it's not about even us, but it's about the individuals that we have the privilege of loving on. So would you allow that to just take root in your heart? To say, who will you invite? A neighbor, colleague, who will the invitation go to? And it does take courage. I'm sure it took some courage, but look at the incredible fruit, hey? Should we listen to one more interview? Yeah. Come on, listen, get excited. Why don't you welcome with me Abel, who's going to come and join us now? <laughs> Woohoo! Hey, there he goes. Hey, my friend. Good to see you. All right, well, now you've got a little bit of a different background to, to where these guys were at. So why don't you tell us a little bit about kind of family history and um, how that affected you? Sounds ominous, a different background, yeah? <laughs> right, okay. No, I mean, I was actually brought up in Islam. Um, loving family, mum and dad, sister. And to be fair, I knew, didn't know any different. Um, lived my life at home with my parents, prayed did my duties to God in accordance to what I believed was right. Yes. Um, but uh, to be fair, a lot of my friends were not that, the same faith. Yes. So I actually lived a lot of my life outside of my family when I was a kid with secular friends, essentially. Right. Um, and to be fair, it was interesting to kind of have the wrestling between the two because it'll be, oh, you've got to come in now because it's prayer time. And it's like, wow, well, I want to stay out with my friends. Right. That's, what, that's basically right. what I want to do. Right. Um, so there was always that kind of back and forth between the two, uh, and it was interesting. But for me, I did always think there was a bit of a disconnection between me and that particular faith. Okay. I mean, so much so, I got to a point where I remember being at college, actually. Um, and I was actually, it was actually during Ramadan, which is actually the most holiest of months in the Muslim calendar, where you do a whole month yeah. of fasting and prayer and, and all this sort of stuff. And um, I realised I'd fasted all day, observed my fast, and went to pray in accordance to what I needed to do. And um, it got to sort of um, breaking fast time, and it was in the evening. Um, so I decided to go to a pub, <laughs> which, if you don't know, in Islam, it's actually forbidden. Um, but there I was, in a pub with my secular friends, with a non-halal hamburger and a pint of Foster's. And that's exactly what I was about to break my fast with. <laughs> okay. And that's when I had the epiphany. I'm like, what am I doing? Right. That was the first step for me to kind of really question yes. what was going on in my life. So, so you moved from that background into an atheistic lifestyle. So flash forward, how did you end up coming along to Alpha? 
Yeah, I mean, I I kind of admitted to not being in Islam, I think, when I was about the age of 30. Uh, and that's when I came out to my parents as were about that. And, you know, there was uproar and there was backroar around that sort of thing. But ultimately, I did have the love of my parents. And, you know, okay. God, looking back on things, was, was being very kind. Yes. So, um, for me, it was it was really interesting in that... Um, it, sorry, what was the question again? How did you end up going on to Alpha? Right, okay, thank you. Right, so I did adopt a secular lifestyle sort of after that, to be fair, because I didn't know any better. I remember mum challenging me, you know, what exactly do you believe in? And I right. said, well, I don't know. I have no answer. Yes. The only answer I can give you now is being an atheist, and, that, and yes. that's it, because I don't know. I don't have a relationship with God. Yes. That's basically all this God yes. that you're suggesting. And um, I spent many years in secularism, had a wonderful life, you know, really sort of, you know, powerful in my career, yeah. you know, had um, had a partner that I was with for a very long time um, and everything else. And it went very, very swimmingly. But I got to a point where I kept asking questions. You know, there is something more to this. Yes. And then slowly things started crumbling around me, Right. Um, in all fairness. And then I got to a point where... I was looking for something and I didn't know what I was looking for, yeah. but I had a very good friend of mine who, who came to me and started talking to me about sort of Christianity, the love of God, the love of Jesus. And we would debate well into the night. It would be two, three in the morning until right. we were talking. And I'd be, we'd having this, we'd having this conversation. I'd be like, why are some of the things that we're talking about really resonating with yes, me yes. to the point where I've got tears rolling down my eyes? Wow, and I was like, there's something going on here. Okay. Anyway, she ultimately said, come to Alpha. Fantastic. So you, so you came along, and I know that partway through the course, mm. you had a particular uh, powerful encounter. Just yeah. describe to these guys what happened. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, like I said, these are all stepping stones getting to me to get to my faith. But one really big thing, in fact, Caroline was actually doing a session on prayer and how to pray. And this, for me, was a foreign concept because I was used to the scripture yes. in Islam. You do this, you do yes. that, blah, yes. blah, blah. Um, and it was what was really fascinating about what Caroline was saying was it's about having this relationship and yeah, sort of almost good. stepping out in faith, as it were. And then I started talking to a couple of my friends after the session. Look, how do you actually go about praying? Because this is a new concept to me. So I had one friend saying, you know, I'll just take time out. I'll speak to him like he's my dad or I'll have another one. You know what? I'll do it whenever it's quiet. I'll do it when I'm in the car driving or whatever it might yes. be. So I'm on my way home this evening. I mean, I had a debrief, had a bit of a chat with a friend of mine. And it was about half past 12. I'm heading back home to Luton. And I just start praying. I'm like, okay, let me give this a go. All right, I've heard these wonderful accounts, these wonderful testimonies right. and stuff. Let me just give it a go. So I started praying. And I hadn't realized that as a man, you don't like admitting being weak, do you? And you always have this appearance of being strong and you've got to carry everybody around you. Okay. And it was like that for me back in my professional career. You had lots of people, you know, looking to you for answers. Yes. So you didn't say, well, I don't know. Yes. Or you had your family or whatever it might be yes. asking you for answers. And you've just got to come up with a solution. And I hadn't actually realized that I needed help in that. Yes. I'd never been able to rely on anyone for that help. So that's what I was praying about in the car, yes. really, or that's what was coming apparent. Yes. And I'm going down this particular road, and I'm in prayer, and again, I just start crying, and I'm like, whoa, what's going on there? This right. is weird. Start feeling electricity going, you're going, okay, Come this on. is very, very odd. <laughs> right. Getting really cool chills, I'm like, wow, this is incredible. Wow. But literally, I got to the end, end of it, said amen but at that point the amount of relief that i felt was just incredible to the point where i just felt as though something was lifted from me amazing and that was my first encounter with the holy spirit isn't that incredible <laughs> incredible well tell us um just just finally Abel, tell us uh, what difference knowing jesus from that encounter then until now what difference has knowing jesus made in your life uh 
It's incredible. I know a lot of people say this as well. It is just incredible. But to me, it's totally changed my life. And, you know, yeah, I still... I mean, all my, all my, my family is still in, in Islam, so I've got that battle. But recently, I had a bereavement in my family, and I remember being surrounded by the whole Islamic faith and being able to look up to God just for help when I really wow. needed help. And just having that help there and that support was huge for me. Yes. To the point where, you know what? It has changed my life incredibly to the point, this is how I want to live my life and I want to practice this on a daily basis. Amazing. I would not look back. Yeah. Should we thank Abel for sharing so beautifully? Thank you, my friend. Bless you. Woo ah. Love it. Oh, guys, it's so good, isn't it? Real people, real stories, real community, real lives being impacted. God's on the move. You know, I want to just close like this, all right? I'm going to show you a brief passage from the Bible. This um, comes from a letter written by a guy called Paul to uh, the church in Rome. So Romans chapter 5, it's going to appear on the screen behind me. But I guess in one respect, it talks about many of the things that these three amazing people have just been sharing. It talks about forgiveness. It talks about uh, adoption, our connection with God. It, it talks about the kind of hope and the peace that's available to us as followers of Jesus. And so I just want to read it, read it out to you. I believe that God's going to speak to you through it because this is his word. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. It says this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith. Now faith, guys, is, is about putting your trust in Jesus. It's about saying, yeah, I'm going to believe and put my eggs, as it were, in his basket. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into the place of undeserved privilege. Do you know, none of us can earn this stuff. None of us can earn a relationship with God. None of us earn the forgiveness and wholeness that we can have knowing him. Because of uh, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance and endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. I don't know where you're at right now, but the hope in Christ will never lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he's given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. That's what happened to Abel in a car on the A421. That God's love would fill that thing and allow him to experience it for the very first time. He says, when we were utterly helpless... Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps die and be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, 
he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. Everything that's ever held you back, everything that's ever restricted your movement, everything that's ever hindered the relationship that you were called to, he has broken free from. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God.